Yeah, huge welcome to my family and uh, Rose's family. Also, it's like, yeah, church attendance just peaks when, uh, when I'm preaching, which is awesome, because uh, that's what it's about, bringing people to the house of God. And um, I'm believing you guys, my family, are going to be blessed tonight. Um, so, yeah, exci- so excited that you're here. And, um, yeah, we're in this series called um, Facing Your Fears. It's Reality Bites, Facing Your Fears. And I was um, kind of praying about what to preach about. Um, there's the obvious day-to-day fears that we all face. You know, the phobias, uh, the anxieties, the day-to-day things you face. Um, but I felt like God wanted to do something a little bit different and not talk about the phobias um, today. But, and I was really seeking him, okay, God, well, I feel like you want me to do something else. What is it? And usually he gives me a scripture, but this time, it's a little bit weird. He gave me a poem. A poem, right? And I felt like I was back in year five. So have some grace for me, all right? But this is the poem God gave me for you guys tonight. And the first two lines I'm not that impressed with, but you know what? When fear is near, remember you are dear. I don't know. When, when fear is high, dismantle the lie that it depends on I instead of the one seated most high. And though you fall and crawl, and in the eyes of all, your stocks have taken a fall, remember the eyes, remember the eyes of all don't matter at all. What matters is this, the only eyes that matter, in the only eyes that matter, is the image reflected of you perfected. Let's give God a hand here tonight. And I really believe tonight that people are going to have a revelation that peace is going to overcome you when you realize, hey, this doesn't all depend on you that life and succeeding in life and being right with God does not depend on you. So why don't we pray? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, mighty God, that it does not depend on us, but it's all dependent on your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And I thank you, God, I see it right now, people opening up the filing cabinets of their minds, pulling out their resumes and tearing them up, pulling out their performance records and ripping them up. And I thank you that your, your peace, your grace, and your mercy prevails tonight over each life here in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Well, um, yeah, a, a few, actually this, this was last year, and um, I was at this networking event, and Harry Triggerboff was there. Harry Triggerboff is... Australia's richest man um, as of this year. He's worth about $11 billion. And um, he was there being interviewed by a famous radio personality. And, um, you know, they were asking questions about the property development market and what's happening and what's going to happen in the next couple of years. And he shared his insights. And it was interesting. Um, You know, it was mainly a Lebanese crowd. Um, But it was really interesting Then it got more interesting, because towards the end, the interviewer said, "Um, so Harry, you're 82 years old, you're worth $10 billion. Why 
are you still doing this? He goes, Harry, you get up every morning and you spend every day of every week driving around your building sites. You're 82 years old. You're worth over $10 billion. You're Australia's richest man. Why don't you just retire? Why don't you retire? And you could tell there was this kind of hush in the air because everyone's like, it went from really practical property development stuff to, wow, this is, this is one of those heart questions. You know, this is a, we're actually going to hear his heart in this moment. It's, it's not his brain ticking, but it's actually his heart. And I'll tell you what he said in a second. But then I was reading an article a few weeks after that, and it was asking that question, why do billionaires or why do um, people with millions and billions of dollars, way more money than could ever, they could ever, ever need, why do they keep doing what they do? And the article said this, and it, the theme of the article, the, actually the title of the article was called The Enduring Hunt for Personal Value. And the theme of the article was that our shared core hunger as humans, your shared core hunger and my shared core hunger, our shared core hunger is that we desperately want to matter. We have a desperate need to feel like we matter, to feel like we've got worthiness, and to feel like our existence is justified. And because we don't, because we're afraid that we don't matter, that our lives aren't justified and that we don't have worthiness, we spend our lives assuring ourselves that we do, that we do matter, that we do have worthiness, that our lives are justified. And that's what this author calls is the enduring hunt for personal value. And he says it goes on forever. For, and this guy was a secular writer, but he was saying every human being will face this for their whole life. Their whole life will look like that hunting for personal value, hunting for worthiness, hunting for justification of their existence. Harry, the question was posed to him, why, why are you doing this? He said, well, the day I retire is the day I die. That was his response. The day I retire is the day I die. And I think Harry said exactly what that article was saying. What Harry was really saying was this. He's saying, I'm speaking today at this event because I matter. I matter because I'm a successful businessman and have lots of money. And if you take away my career and my money, it means I actually don't matter. His greatest fear, Harry Triggerboff, the world, Australia's richest man, $10 billion in the bank, 82 years of age, his greatest fear is that he won't matter unless he's got his career. His greatest fear is that he won't feel like his existence is justified unless he's getting up and going to work and doing what he's doing. He's spent his whole life assuring himself that he matters. And sometimes we can get a bit like that. We can actually get up every day and spend our lives trying to justify our own existence. Because that's exactly what he's doing. He's, he's actually justifying his existence. Um, and what he's doing is every day he's getting up and he's developing a, um, 
validating performance record. So every day he goes to work, he gets up and he goes, today my validity as a human being is assured because of my performance. I'm Australia's richest man. I'm a great property developer. I've got units coming up in Parramatta, whatever it is. That's his validating performance record. And that's what gives him value. It's like every day he gets up and he's before the courts. Do you matter? Do you matter? Does this man matter? Does this man matter? Is this man's existence justified? And Harry can say yes. Harry can say whenever that question is posed to him, whenever someone points a finger at him and says, Harry, is your existence justified? He can say, yes, check it out. I'm Australia's richest man. I'm a successful property developer. I've got a great career. I do matter. And we all spend our lives like that most of the time, developing, building up this kind of resume, this CV that says, I matter because I'm this. I matter because I'm that. My existence is justified because of A, B, and C. And the core reason why we do that is we're afraid that we don't actually matter, that we don't have value, and that we're, our existence isn't justified. And um, Rose, if I can have my prop, it's a bit like this. Everyone give it up for my beautiful wife. Now, a Middle Eastern man should probably not hold one of these on stage. So before you call Crime Stoppers. Um, this is the mental picture I got of what Harry's existence is like, right? So um, we all remember this from primary school science experiments where there's like a magnet and a copper wire thing and it spins around and generates a bit of light. Can everyone see that light? It's almost like every morning Harry, Harry gets up and he's like, all right, today I've got to get to work. And this light represents my justification for living. It represents my value. It represents my worth. And unless I'm doing what I'm doing, the light's going to stop. And then my, the justification for my existence also stops. So I better keep going and doing what I'm doing to keep my light on, to keep myself justified, to keep my existence justified. I'll give you another example of this, which I thought was um, amazing, actually. It comes from Madonna, um, and I shared a quote from her last time I preached. It's, it's not a pattern that's forming or anything. I haven't been reading her memoir, but Madonna says this, and it's, it's actually amazing because we might judge her and look at her and, and think different things of her, but she's actually probably the most self-aware person I've ever read a quote from, and he, this is what she says. She says, um, I have an iron will, and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, and then I get to another stage and think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. Again and again, my drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. See, Madonna goes on stage wherever she is, and she gets the verdict that I am somebody. She goes on stage. She works away, and she gets the verdict that she is somebody. Her existence is justified. 
And then she goes back home and she sits on her couch and she starts to think, well, am I? Am I justified? I better go do what I was doing yesterday, only do it better so that I can keep this light on. And it kind of goes on and on and on. Um, Sidney Polak, this famous movie director, he said this. Actually, he was unwell, um, really unwell towards the end of his life, and he kept making movies. And his family said, come on, like, just chill out, take it easy, spend some time with us. And he said, he said, I can't justify my existence if I stopped. Every time I finish a picture, I feel like I've done what I'm supposed to do in the sense that I've earned my stay for another year. His existence was so caught up, his justification for living was so caught up in his career that he could not stop doing what he was doing. Um, and Sidney Pollack is doing what Harry Triggerboff's doing. He's developing a validating performance record so that he can look at it himself and say, my existence is justified. He can show it to other people and say, my existence is justified. And so often we're doing that with God. So often we're, we've got our good works in front of God saying, hey God, my existence is justified. Um, you know, I've got value. I'm all right with God because look what I'm doing. I've got my good works. I, th there's this scripture, actually, um, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. We're all so familiar with this one. Um, it says, Jesus, Jesus and his disciples were on their way. They came to uh, Martha and Mary's house. And um, Martha opened the door. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be done. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell, it, tell her to help me. And often we hear this preached about as though, um, you know, Mary's distracted and the important thing is sitting at Jesus' feet. And that's all true. But what I actually think was happening here is Mary, sorry, Martha, is in the kitchen doing a bit of this. Um, my, my existence is justified because I'm being hospitable right now and I'm going to find value in Jesus' eyes because I'm preparing an awesome meal for him. And then she basically comes out and she comes out into the living room and says, um, Guys, Jesus, I just want you to know that my existence is justified because I'm in there preparing a meal for you. I think that's actually what Martha's saying. She's coming out and saying, hey, just letting you guys know that I'm working for you. Just letting you know that um, I've got something on my performance record. I'm in there working. And it's amazing that often when we're developing our own um, validating performance record, we'll actually look down on people as a way of developing our own performance record. And Martha does that too. She says, uh, Jesus, in case you hadn't noticed, um, Mary isn't doing what I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to justify my existence by saying, I'm not like Mary. I'm not like Mary. I'm not lazy like Mary. I'm actually up and I'm working. And I've got my light on, Jesus. I've got some value. I've got a validating performance record. So Martha's thinking, this is going on my resume. 
And often we think that in life. And Harry's justifying himself and Martha's trying to justify herself and Madonna's trying to justify herself. And so often we're trying to justify ourselves as well. Harry's doing it through his career. Madonna's doing it through her fame. Martha's doing it by looking down on people. And that's all, really, that's all racism is. It's actually saying I'm not like them. I'm a bit better because I'm not like them. My performance record is actually a little bit better because I'm not like them. What about romance? How often do we do it through romance and say, oh, look, I, I won't have a sense of value or worthiness and my existence won't be justified until I've got that husband or that wife. It's like, yeah, my existence won't be justified unless I've got that. So it's only, I'm going to work towards that. And unless I, unless I get that, my light isn't even going to turn on. Um, or looking a certain way. Um, just thinking, okay, cool, I've got... Um, a certain body type or um, a certain body feature and I'm actually, I actually feel good about that. That makes me feel, feel good and makes my existence justified. Um, I remember going to school in Lebanon when we were 15. We were going to stay there for a year and we were excited because we're going from an all-boys school in Fairfield to a co-ed school in Lebanon and so there were going to be girls and um, we were excited as well because um, they had no uniform. So you could rock up to school in, and wear whatever you wanted to wear. And um, it was exciting until you got there the first day and you realized everyone in your, cl your class is actually is from like America or somewhere and like loaded and they're all wearing brands. And I've come from Australia and the only thing I wore to Mufti days, which were once a term, was this one Adidas shirt I had. And they all looked at that Adidas shirt and thought, what is that? What are you wearing? And I quickly got into this mode, actually me and my brother got into this mode of, oh my goodness, what are we going to wear every single day to have value in this class and to feel like we're justified? And it was actually one of I remember it being such an anxious time because every time I got up in the morning, I'm like, I don't know if my light's going to go on today. I, I just don't know. So what you wear can also be a way of developing a validating performance record. But here's, here's the problem. This is why a validating performance record deceives us. Um, it's, it's actually rooted in fear. It's fear that um, I don't have value, I'm not good enough, and my existence isn't justified. And it's as though we wake up and we're on trial every day. We're on trial every day. We're on trial every single day. Okay, I think this has stopped working, but you get the point. Like Madonna said, she gets up and she's on trial every day. She's in, she's in the courtroom every day. And she's being judged every single day. She's judging herself every single day based on her performance. It's actually addictive. Any single-minded pursuit unmoored to a deeper purpose has the potential to take on the characteristics of an addiction. More and more is required to obtain the same high and the compulsion of the pursuit prompts a growing sense of the despair and unworthiness it is meant to solve. 
So actually doing more and more of the same thing, you actually need more and more of whatever it is you're doing to satisfy yourself and to justify yourself. It's actually rooted in pride. Um, Soren Kierkegaard says this, it's the normal state of the human heart to try and build its identity around something besides God. Spiritual pride is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives, achieve our own self-worth, and find a purpose big enough to give us meaning in life without God. And what he's saying is pride searches for something that will give it a sense of worth, a sense of specialness, and a sense of purpose, and builds itself on that. And of course, we're so often reminded that whatever we build our lives on that isn't God or made for God is going to be too small. And the way pride tries to fill a person is to fill its emptiness by comparing itself to other people. C.S. Lewis actually says this, it's an amazing quote. He says, pride is by nature competitive. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having it, more of it than the next person. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they're not. They are proud of being richer, cleverer, or better looking than others. If everyone became equally rich or clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. The other reason why um, it's deceiving or having a validating performance record is deceiving is because it can so easily be taken away. And when your life is built on it and when your sense of value is built on it and it's taken away, you're left, it's disastrous. And I find it so fascinating that when Jesus is talking to Martha, he goes, hey, Martha, Mary's found the good thing. And it's interesting what he says. He says this, he says, and it won't be taken away from her won't be taken away from her. Anything we use to build our own validating performance record will be taken away. Harry Triggerboff's empire is going to be taken away the moment he dies. It couldn't even be taken away while he's alive. But Jesus is saying the one thing that can't be taken away is sitting in his presence and being justified by him. By him. And also, when you're, when you're in that place and you're trying to justify yourself, and you're like, yeah, I, I, you know, this, this relationship thing is so important to me that my value and my worth is built on it. Um, how can you possibly surrender it to God? How can, it, how can you possibly surrender it to God when, it's, when your whole justification is built on it? It's impossible to surrender it to God and say, God, you deal with that. No, it's got to stay in your hands. You've got to keep working on it um, because it's, your whole existence is based on it. Um, so what's the solution to all this? What's the solution? Um, I'll take you to Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 28. And here's the solution here. It says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace 
through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. I love how Paul starts this scripture with a but now. He says, all of human history, all of human existence has been based on human trying to build up a validating performance record. I'll ask the band to come, if you could come. All of human existence, all of human history has been based on people getting their sense of value, their validity, their justification from having a performance record with people and with God. That's history. And Paul says, but now. The first words of that scripture are, but now. And he's indicating that there's been a big change. Something's different now. He said, there's been a real shift that you really, really, really need to be aware of. And I think it's so important we understand what this shift is because really this is the only shift that will actually change our lives. I really, really believe that, that unless we see this shift that Paul is talking about, um, our lives will never change and God can never actually move in our lives. But I'm believing that tonight we will see that shift and every single one of us will leave change tonight. This is what he says. He's saying we are justified freely by faith through the blood of Jesus. Justified freely by faith through the blood of Jesus. Freely, you're justified. Freely. Freely. He's basically saying, put this away, even with, actually, especially with God. You don't, you don't need this with God. What, whatever you do isn't going to make a difference with God. God says, yes, you need a validating performance record. You need a perfect record. He says, but there's nothing you can do to achieve it. There's nothing you can do to achieve it. What Paul is saying is mind-blowing. He says, a validating performance record isn't achieved. What he's saying is this. A validating performance record is not achieved. A validating performance record is received. You don't need to validate yourself. You don't need to justify yourself. You don't need to do anything to please God. God is actually standing there saying, Jesus has done all that for you. You just have to receive it. You receive a perfect performance record. You just have to open your hands and receive it. And the Bible says we do that through faith. The moment you have faith in Jesus, you receive this. The niggling, the nagging, 
the sound, the anxiety, the fear of having to perform in people in God and just dies instantly. And Jesus says, hey, be a justified. Just open your hands, receive it. Your performance record is perfect. Perfect. So instead of living out of fear that you're not good enough, you can live out of joy so often we think, okay, God justifies us. And so often we look at justification thinking justification means I've got no sin or I'm, I'm made right with God. And it definitely means that. But justification by God means so much more than that. See, justification means you are forgiven. It means you can go. Your sins won't be held against you. That's true. But it means so much more than that. It actually means you can come. That not only are your sins forgiven, but His righteousness, Christ's righteousness is upon you. And so you have His nobility. You have His grace. You have His wisdom. You have His power and His authority. And that comes upon you trying to do it trying to do it yourself so why don't we close our eyes for a moment I'm going to read that poem again maybe it'll have a bit more maybe it'll make a bit more sense now when fear is near remember you are dear. When fear is high, dismantle the lie that it depends on I instead of the one seated most high. Though you fall and crawl, you may have hit a brick wall, but in the eyes of all, your stocks have taken a fall. Remember this, the eyes of all what matters is this in the only eyes that matter is the image reflected of you perfected and while you're in that moment I just want to ask a question if you're sitting here tonight and actually in a moment I'd love to just pray for people people who are saying yes I I need that peace, I need that freedom. I need, I need that reassurance in my heart that God's in control, that it doesn't depend on I. I'm gonna open up the altar in just a moment and I'd love you to come forward for prayer. But before I do that, I'd just love to ask a question. If you're here tonight and this message has triggered something in your mind and the but now has made sense to you for the first time that you're actually perfect in God's eyes because of Jesus and not because of your own good works if that's something that's spoken to you tonight and you're sitting here saying oh I want to put my faith in Jesus 
I can receive that validating performance record. In a moment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and I'll see it and then you can put it down. We'll pray together. So if that's you, if you're saying, yes, I want a perfect validating performance record from heaven. I want to put my faith in Jesus. Why don't you just give me a wave right now? Is there anyone here who wants to pray that prayer? I'll give it a moment because it's such an important moment for people. If you're sitting here saying, yeah, I I need it to depend on Him, not on me. I want it to depend on what He's done, not what I've done. You want it to depend on Jesus' perfect record, not your own. Just give me a wave. Awesome. See your hand. Is there anyone else? Awesome. Why don't we all stand? I'm going to invite my friend to come forward and we'll pray together. But why don't we, yeah, give him a round of applause. You can come forward. Amen. How are you? What's your name? Sol. Awesome. Great name. Let's pray together. And let's all pray this prayer together. Father God in heaven, I thank you because of Jesus. I'm forgiven. I've got a perfect record. I don't have to perform because he's performed for me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I thank you I'm free in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for this man. I thank you for soul, Lord. I thank you that it's a new day for him. I thank you that it is a new day for him the propeller on his back that propels him forward is not one of fear but it's one of joy knowing that he's perfect in your sight and I thank you God that that changes his motivations, his priorities as he seeks to live out a life sold out for your purposes and your plans God I thank you that joy, joy just fills his life in Jesus mighty name someone behind you they're just going to give you a bible and have a chat with you why don't we give soul another round of applause and let's keep the applause going for jesus because he is awesome he is so good and i'm going to invite the band to play and if you would like to come forward for some prayer the altar will be open Um, let's give god one more round of applause here tonight Jesus, we love you.
Oh, 
I just feel relieved after a message like that. I really needed to hear that. Anyone else who really needed to hear that? Oh my goodness, just exhale. He's already done the work. Just exhale. <laughs> I just feel like a burden's lifted. Such grace and such truth here tonight. And the peace of God is in this room, right? Why don't you just lift your hands right across this room? Lord, I just thank you. You lift every weight and every burden. Every anxious mind is at ease in your presence right now. I thank you, Lord, your peace that surpasses understanding fills every heart and mind in this room right now. Lord, we receive your grace. We release our burdens to you here tonight. We thank you that you fill us with your Holy Spirit right now. We thank you, Lord, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by your Spirit. So we release our striving and our efforts, we lay them down and we surrender rather to your Spirit, not by might, not by power, by your Spirit in our lives. Thank you for overflow, thank you for peace, thank you for grace in every person standing in this room tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you, church. Coffee is happening out in the hub. The band are going to continue to play a little bit longer. And if you would like to come and receive prayer, I encourage you to do so. God bless you.